Welcome to Real Marketers, where we hear from marketers who move fast, ask forgiveness, not permission, obsess about driving results, and are filled to the brim with crazy ideas and the guts to implement them. This is not a fireside chat, and there's absolutely no bullshit allowed here. And I'm your host, Stephanie Cox. I have more than 15 years of marketing experience, and I've pretty much done about everything in my career. I believe speed is better than perfection. I use the Oxford comma. I love Coca-Cola, have exceptionally high standards, and surround myself with people who get shit done. On this show, my guests and I will push boundaries and share the real truths about marketing and empower you to become a real marketer. So first question, tell me something about yourself that few people know. (laughs) You know, this is always the funniest question because I feel like I'm a very open person. I'm I'm like always posting on social media. So I'm like, I don't know. Everyone knows everything. I feel like a lot of people who know me online though, um, and not in real life, I guess, don't know I drive a Hyundai because they never see my car and I don't post my car on social media. So I drive a Hyundai and I love it. That is not what I was expecting. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know. Everything else is online. (laughs) Well, I'm excited to talk to you because one, I mean, your name is Stephanie. So it's the best right out there. But also because we're going to talk about, I think a hot topic for marketers right now, which is events Yes. and you know, what, what do we do with them? The last 18 months has kind of thrown things into like a wrinkle compared to, to previous maybe event strategies in place. So let's just talk a little bit about what are the types of events that, you know, people are doing right now. Yeah, for sure. if If you're a marketer and you worked in events now have done an event or are thinking about events and have slept, you're lying. (laughs) It's just, it's been so wild of, you know, back in April of 2020, uh, we had a big in-person conference planned. And now there's the possibility of in-person events. There's fully virtual events, which there's been a lot of. Um, And I think those even run the gamut from a webinar to a happy hour to a full-on multi-day conference. Um, You know, there's software that gives you the ability to have like a 3D um, experience where people walk into a virtual conference center. And then I think we've started now going back to, um, I know like I've attended one small in-person happy hour. uh, And then of course, there's the hybrid experience, which is very popular right now. It's kind of the, how can we be all things to all people? um, type of event. It was funny. You were talking about like, if you're in charge of events, you haven't slept. And I'm like, is that different than normal? Because I feel like, right. Every event marketer, or when I've been playing a role in large conferences, I don't feel like I sleep like six weeks up until the event or during the week of the event or at the event. And then I like crash for three days later. I don't recommend it, but that's reality. Yeah, same here. And we've done 12 events in the past 18 months because we're like virtual events. We gotta do virtual events. And I feel like I've had that same cycle of like six weeks of panic and three weeks of crash every six weeks for 18 months. Right. It's, it's exhausting. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, virtual events. And I really want to get into hybrid, which are, A whole separate issue. So with, (laughs) with virtual events, I love what you said when you're talking about like the gamut of virtual events, because, you know, pre 2020, we didn't call them virtual events. We called them webinars. Yes. 
so, I get so offended when someone calls my virtual event a webinar. I'm like, it's so much more. <laughs> right? But it's true. Like, in a webinar was basically we talked at you. And now I feel like with everything that's happened in the last 18 months, you have true virtual events that Mm -hmm. are trying to mimic the connections that you could create in person and the in-person experience. And then you have webinars that are now calling themselves virtual events and all other things. So let's talk about, you know, when you think about a virtual event, what is the best in class virtual event experience in your mind? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I researched a bunch of software, wrote a lot about it at the beginning and anything I learned, I pretty much wrote about, um, and then experienced a few attended events on my own. And I think for me, um, the thing that bothers me the most is I I don't have a preference of whether something's live or what is really popular is simulive, which is where something plays kind of like a premiere. It plays at the same time for everyone. So if you join five minutes in, you're five minutes into the video. It's not on demand. Um, so everyone's watching at the same time and they can chat and it's like watching the event, but the session itself was pre-recorded. That's Simulive, if you don't know. I'm a big fan of Simulive, um, but I don't really, I, I wouldn't say that one is better than the other or that Simulive is better than live if you can justify why you're doing it. So like if you're doing a live stream in a virtual event, you have an opening keynote, it's streaming live from wherever, whoever's desk, the, the office, the stage, whatever you can manage, that's great. You better make it worth having done it live. Like quality internet, tech issues happen, of course, always like do everything you can to mitigate running into any tech issues because the moment your live stream drops, you lose people and you kind of lose confidence from everyone in that moment, um, which is just an unfortunate truth. And then you have to engage your audience in a way that makes it valuable that they spent their time there live. Like we're in a in a time where anyone can watch anything they want at any time on their own time without commercials. So why would I have to still show up at a specific time to watch something when I can, you know, watch any show on Netflix at my own time of my own choosing? So if it's live, you should be asking questions that engage your audience and then showing their answers on the screen or reading them out loud, making people feel special. That's something people love is seeing their name on screen, hearing their name said by a speaker. Um, So if you're not taking the opportunity to make your live event somehow engage your audience in real time, don't do it live. If you can't, uh, almost guarantee within reason that the stream is going to go well quality-wise, don't do it live. Then Simulive is another interesting thing because I'm a big fan. We've done a lot of our events with Simulive sessions. You can have multiple sessions going on at a time and it's a lot easier for your event staff to manage. when something's pre-recorded, you can edit out any little glitches. And so it's any stumbles. Um, you don't want to take away the humanity of it, but it feels uh, a relatively polished. And so that allows you to add things like music or cuts or a logo. So if you just pre-record what's essentially a Zoom webinar or a conversation of two people and then pop it up there and play the recording, that's not that's not doing Simulive justice. Like you have the time to record something, refine it, edit it, and make it amazing. Again, we have Netflix quality content out here. I'm not here to watch your like webinar where you share your screen, your video is a tiny circle at the bottom. Um, So to me, best in class virtual events incorporate all of those elements. They have great live, exciting things that engage the audience. They have polished quality simulive content that can be watched in real time with other attendees. And then they have a community aspect, whether it's just the chat, 
Uh, you have that one-to-one -one video speed networking that's really popular. Um, sometimes there's breakout rooms with discussion table, like round table discussions. Um, anyway, where you can really get to know each other. And then um, I think everyone might be, you know, in this type of a conversation waiting for me to say sponsors. Um, but sponsor booths to me are just like such a waste in a virtual event. Um, if you think oh, about preach. Like, yeah. who goes, like who goes to your virtual booth? No one, no one goes to your no one. booth. No one's going to your virtual booth. And I've seen a couple people do it. Okay. Like they'll have a booth and they'll say uh, for everyone who comes and has a conversation with us, you get entered to win like these crazy cool Bose headphones or something. And that's cool. But it, it works just like it does in an in-person event where you're going to get unqualified people having a waste of time conversation just for a chance to win something. So to me, what we've done is we incorporated our sponsors into our events and had them teach an educational session about something related to what it is they do. So like uh, some good friends of ours, Design Pickle, they're hilarious at creating video content, but we didn't want them to spend 15 minutes selling their service, selling Design Pickle. So they would cre they created a really great session about how to create fantastic graphics for videos. And they're actually teaching something that's so valuable. And then they, of course, have their logo and you know, there's little information about their website at the end. So I think all of those things together um, is how I've found success and, and what I hope to see in virtual events. And also, I don't want to see your, your band play. Like, don't live stream a band for me. I don't want to play trivia. <laughs> like, no. Well, and that's, it's funny that you mentioned that because we can talk about sponsors probably for an hour. Yeah. And, you know, I think so many marketers are like, oh, I do events and I have a booth and I got all these leads. And I'm like, yeah, but you like gave them an incentive to go to your booth, whether it's through the conference and like some sort of stamp passport, whether it was through yeah. like, your, you know, a Beats headset. And then you give them back to your SDRs who have to call them. And all these people are like, I don't want to talk to you. Right. And like, maybe you have a, a killer follow-up process that, sends a really contextual personalized email about how you met the person, what you talked about in that booth conversation. It has a video, it introduces you. And that's great. I think those are few and far between. And even so, um, there are some good virtual event softwares out there that allow the reps in the booth to take specific notes about the conversation. But if you're just downloading a list of emails of people who like quote came to your booth, they don't remember you. I'm sorry, but they don't. And they don't remember the tchotchke you gave them no. that was in their bag that they've thrown away now. I'm always like, oh, who gave me that chapstick I really like? Not, oh, I love that chapstick from so-and-so. Right? No, completely. That's why I always tell people, like, don't give, like, don't do booth items if you're doing a booth. Everyone's like, oh, I did pens or, like, chapstick with my logo on it. No, you know what you should do? You should give me food. Yeah. Oh, I know. Food. Like food that's prepackaged that I can take with me and eat on the plane on my way home. Yep. I love, I totally agree. Food is great. Um, I also like the one tchotchke giveaway that has stood the test of time for me was a deck of cards um, because every time I use them, I see the logo on the back of every card. But also, like, please don't everyone go starting creating decks of cards now. It, right. was, it was memorable because it's unique. It's the only one I have. And it was actually Survey Monkey. They created a cool design on the back, but they made all the kings and queens monkeys. And it's really funny. Well, and you can always use a deck of cards to like entertain yourself, like while you're yeah. at the airport or whatever. And I feel like it's one of those things that you don't buy for yourself very often. Yeah. And like you can play, you know, games with like your colleagues in the hotel bar or something. So that was cute. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. No one wants your crap. <laughs> right? No, no one. So especially like the stuff you give out of the booth, which is just like price point wise, not very exciting. So yeah. let's talk about, you know, the elephant in the room, hybrid <laughs> events. 
Uh, which are like basically a bunch of people that were doing virtual events are like, yes, we can have in-person events. Let's make the two of them have a baby and we're going to call it a hybrid and it's going to be great. Yeah. It's not great. Is it? It's not. And you know, I saw, um, so we use a, an event software. This is not sponsored, not a pitch. I just really like them, uh, called Swugo. And that's how we do our event registration. And they sent an email this week that said hybrid events shouldn't exist there. We said it. And I was like, I knew I loved you guys. Yeah. Um, it, it's so true. The thing is, I, I get it. You have great content and you want to share it and you can't get everyone together in person. You don't want to exclude your online audience. You don't want to um, just have virtual while you could get back to in-person. We all want to get back to in-person. I get that. Um, so it's hard. It's definitely, um, it's going to take some doing. And I've seen, this is what's so interesting to me. I've seen companies try to do hybrid events recently, especially virtual event software companies want to be first because they want to show this is how you can do it with our software and they want to set the bar. And that's great. I attended a hybrid event as a virtual attendee uh, recently. And I think it was probably as good as it could have been done. And I still hated it. <laughs> and I was going to say, and on a scale of one to 10, it was Two. like, it was so oh. bad. And, you know, it, it goes back to a lot of the elements that I was talking about earlier. Um, but one of them being like, if you are showing, if you're live streaming your conference, say, and you've got an audience of two, 300 people, you have a speaker on stage and then you're live streaming it. All I feel like is, wow, it sucks that I don't get to be in that conference of that audience of people way to rub it in. So it's kind of like mean girls. And I know <laughs> that's like a really weird reference, but there's so much of life that I can relate back to, to mean girls. Always. Always. And it's kind of like the plastics, like, right. When you have a hybrid <laughs> event, like the in-person people are like the plastics. They're really cool. They're really popular. You want to be part of the group. You can't be part of the group. Mm -hmm. You can kind of see what's going on, but you know, you you're can't like fully fill an outsider into it. Yeah. Like you're an outsider looking in and no matter what you do, you can't right? like, well, we have online chat and you can engage in the conversation. Yeah. But it's different than being there. Yeah. And it's kind of like, you're calling it out that I'm not cool enough to be at the cool kids table. Exactly. That's so true. And, and at this one that I was attending and I, you know, won't call them out because they worked very hard and they certainly put on a quality content, I'll say. Uh, but the speaker was on stage, he had an iPad, and he said, I can see all the chat right here. Um, I'm so excited that I'll be able to call on some of you and answer your questions and see the chat. And I'm like, this chat's going a million miles a minute. There's no way this guy's gonna be able to keep up. There's 3000 people. Is he also trying to present or talk during yeah. this time? He's like, how talking. the hell do you do that? You don't, not well, that's the thing. And then the funniest, well, saddest part was the audio that was being streamed was fairly low volume. And I kept trying to turn it up and I was like turning up my volume. Turn, it was all the way up. And I'm just seeing people in the chat. Like we can't hear you. It's too quiet. Turn up the volume. So then this poor speaker who's on stage trying to present and glance down and grab a fun comment, like loving the event just looks down and it's just utter panic. Like his face, the comments, it was just because he had no control over it. He couldn't speak louder. I mean, the volume of the stream was the issue. He could yell, uh, but that wouldn't be a good experience for the in-person audience. Then suddenly his face is panicked. The in-person audience has no idea why, because they're not reading the comments. Um, so it's just this completely like disconnected, disjointed experience. Um, 
where, you know, the in-person audience also doesn't feel special because if you're playing out to the cameras to try and engage your virtual audience and speak to them and say, I'm going to read a question from you, the in-person audience is like suddenly checked out. Like, why does it matter if I'm here then? So it's just tough. And I, I would had said I have yet to see anyone do it well. And now I saw someone do it probably as good as you can. And I'm still not. Team and you're either. still a two out of 10. Like, I mean, yeah. that's like a 20%. And it's like, when you try to be everything to everyone, you end up being just less to everyone. You, you can't, it's not possible. And so you wind up with a subpar virtual experience, a subpar in-person experience, stress for everyone. They even um, cut to their backstage setup with like a news anchor uh, back there. And I was like, all right, we want to take a look at our backstage setup. And this guy with a switcher is like putting up the next slides and he's cutting to the other camera. And this woman leans over to him. He's like, so what's it like back here? And he's like, it's really busy. And then he just went back to what he was doing. Well, and who wants to see that anyway? He's alone. And I get that with, for an event company, it's, you're showing behind the scenes. You're showing how you do it. Other people might do this. I don't think you'd kind of break that illusion for other industry conferences that weren't so meta to be an event about events. Also, I'm so sick of events about events. Just like, let it go. Send me an email. Right. Write your ebook, email it to me. I'll read it later. Yeah. And that's what, that's what Sugo did. And I read it and I actually liked what they had to say. And I, of course, was already on board um, with kind of this, they're calling it a hybrid strategy, which is really about, you know, having your in-person event and just having it and then having a separate virtual experience for your online community. Yes which is essentially what we're doing as well. Um, I'm really excited about it. We are announcing officially what we're doing um, at the end of July. But yeah, it's you don't have to do everything all at once for everyone to be successful. And I like I hope that's what we can get into moving forward. I think the, the true dream is like a road show. I love road shows. Um, I miss kind of going to these like smaller, more intimate uh, events where I could see someone speak, but I also didn't have to leave the city that I live in. I didn't have to book a flight. Um, they're easier to manage. And maybe you have a couple key people from your organization traveling around. And then maybe some of the best content from that is then streamed at a later date for people who couldn't attend in person or something. Um, and I think the community aspect is so important. So if you can give people a way to discuss and chat, um, like I would love to see someone do a road show in every city they're in. They take the best session, they put that online, and then they do like a live Q and A the next day, and then everybody comes to watch it, and then everyone comes to the live Q and A. That would be so cool. The other thing, um, and this is like less, I think maybe a bone to pick with hybrid events. It's with virtual, or I guess technically hybrid too. Then, yeah. so I got. Have you ever gotten an email that's like, "Don't forget to register for my, you know, my virtual event that's tomorrow." Oh yeah, you know. If you want the recording, you're going to have to register. I'm like, no, why can't you already know who I am? Uh, I'm yeah. not going to come. Can you just send it to me after tomorrow? Like, why yeah. do I have to fill out a form? It's so true. And that's, I mean, that's something we've learned as well with our online community. So we, we have an online community of courses and virtual meetups. And one of the things we do is we have all the recordings from our past events and we put them in a, an on-demand experience essentially. So if you want to come to the event you register and you we import you into the event software, you show up live and you attend. Great. You'll get the recordings automatically. If not, if you're a member of our community, guess what's going to show up the day after the event? All the recordings. Wait, what? Are you yeah. serious? Did you show up automatically? That's the idea. Yeah. So done. Check. Everyone else get on board. Right? Because 
I literally got an email from someone that was like, Hey, we have this event. It was like on Tuesday and they're talking about an event, I think today. And they're like, make sure you sign up for it. So you can get the recordings afterwards. And I'm like, no, no, you know, I'm a customer, you know who I am. Also, I only want people to sign up for my event who are going to attend because then I know I have a more realistic view of the rate of people who are going to show up. And I'm, I know what kind of event I'm putting on. We're doing live workshops at our events. They're interactive. This is another great way to make something live worthwhile. So there will actually be attendees on video interacting. Not everyone. We have up to 16 people on video at a time. They can turn their video on and off if they want to volunteer to answer a question or do a role play. Um, and so in that case, like I need to know how many people I have. So I know how many breakout rooms I'm going to do. That's a justified reason for having people register. Um, yeah, register so that you can intentionally not come and we'll email you the recordings. No, be better. Well, and I think it's part of it's because when you think about event metrics, oftentimes, and maybe it's because we've been with virtual events conditioned by webinars. Everyone's oh, yeah. like, I this many webinar registrants and this many people came. And I'm like, why do you care about how many people said they were going to come? Yeah. Because they're not coming. It's so true. And, you know, we, we get the same question from sponsors all the time. How many registrants do you expect? I'm like, that is the wrong question. <laughs> and some right. even say, how many people do you think will show up? Which is fair. That's a fair question. Uh, but it's, you know, really how many people are going to show up who are qualified potential customers for you in your industry, in your niche with this price point and who are going to actually go to your booth and then remember you when you do your fantastic, I'm sure, follow up. <laughs> And I, uh, and I'd be interested to hear your perspective because in my perspective, like it's real hard to know the answer to that question. It's so, it's nearly impossible. Right. It's kind of like, well, I think it could be, let me stick my finger in the air and pick a number out of my head. Yes. 45. I'm glad you agree. I, you know, the seasonality of events and virtual events specifically is so wild too. And then you just get like virtual event fatigue. So people are obviously, you know, we did an event in 2020 that had, I don't know, 1,500 registrants, let's say. Um, and it, we got about 80 or 90% attendance rate. So we had like 1,200 people. That's probably not math, but we had like 1,200 people. And then we did the same event uh, earlier this year and had like 500 people. And it's just uh, same theme event, new content. But people are virtual evented out right now, and I get that. Um, but even with the webinars, I don't necessarily care how many people registered as an event planner, I, I want to keep an eye on that knowing like, is my message resonating? Is this content interesting with pe to people? Um, is this event worth doing? Are we only going to have five people there? But yeah, the metrics, I mean, we try to say we want our event sessions rated highly by the attendees. That's something that we measure. Um, we've also started measuring uh, by the DICE standards, which is diversity inclusion in events and conferences or conferences and events, that's how you spell. Uh, so trying to make our events accessible, diversifying our speaker lineup, you know, these are the things that are valuable to us and to our audience. And we know that that will draw more attendees over time or more people who want to watch our great content on demand. No, I completely agree. Um, and I love that, you know, you're really challenging how to think about not just like what your event strategy should be, but how you even think about measuring that. So if I'm, you know, a marketer mm -hmm. and I'm thinking about like, what the hell should I do for events? Like one, should I invest budget in it? Cause I feel like that's been a conversation that's happened over the right. last 18 months. People have, you know, I think done one of two things, you know, tested virtual events. It went poorly for a variety of reasons. Yep. And then they've pulled the money from events and they've put it somewhere else. And they're trying to see if they should go back. 
Um, or two, they've put it in virtual events. They have different results because let's see, I don't know. No one's knew, knew how to market during a pandemic. Yeah. Um, so some people it's worked well for some people it hasn't. And now they're trying to figure out, do I continue with virtual? Do I go to in-person? Do I do hybrid? Like, mm -hmm. you know, if you had a blank slate for either one of those situations, like where would you suggest people start if, to rethink their strategy? Cause we do live in a very different world now. Yeah. I mean, you have to start with your goals. That's always the answer. What are you looking to get? Um, if you're looking for like broad brand awareness, uh, that's obviously going to be different than, you know, a really qualified small set of leads that you can turn into customers. Um, it also depends what side you're on. If you're, I know there are a lot of people who say, well, we don't host events. We are, we sponsor events. We go to events. We go to all the booths. Um, that's an entirely different strategy, but from, perspective of someone who maybe would host uh, a virtual and or in-person event uh, and hopefully not hybrid, <laughs> I would say you got to look at your space too and see who else is doing what. Is there another event in your space just like yours? If there is, how is it? <laughs> Can you do better? <laughs> and then, you know, do you have something valuable to say? I think I see far too often, especially earlier in the pandemic, everyone wanted to do a virtual event and like, heck yes for enthusiasm. That's great. But did you have something to say or did you just feel like you should do an event? Um, did your CEO come to you and say, what are we doing? I heard so-and-so is doing virtual events. Uh, no, not at all. Um, we had an in-person event planned for August, uh, August, April 6th, 2020. So really early on. And just after St. Patrick's Day in March, uh, we made the choice to cancel it. Well, it's postponed it at the time. And in about two weeks, two and a half weeks, we turned it into a virtual version of that. We took all the speakers we had, all the content we had planned and said, all right, we're going to record it instead. And we're going to play it on the 6th, just like we were going to have our, our big event. And that went great. Um, it was the most stressful three weeks of my life, I think. But it was so fun because we already had all this amazing content planned. And we're like, we can't just not share this. It's ready. It's great. And these are things people need to learn. And this is a time where as we have this massive pivot, for lack of a better word, um, I'm a big fan of friends. So just I'm just picturing the couch. Um, but as we made this big pivot, we said, we're going to put this content out there and people need to come together right now. We're all floundering. We're all just like freaking out. What are we going to do? And as a sales and marketing education company, we knew that we had to step in and say, it's going to be okay. Like, yeah, you can still sell. Here's how you need to use video. Yes. You can still market during a pandemic. Here's how to do it sensitively. Um, so there were, there were things that people needed to discuss, to learn about, to just have some confirmation of, and just have a little moment to come together. And so I think it was really valuable that we did that. And then we said from there, that was great. We should do it again. What do people need to learn about right now? What are people struggling with? Can we help them? Okay, let's do that as an event. So last question. If you could tell a marketer one thing that they should think about for their event strategy, and it's not, you know, tactical, but like strategic, like what should they be aspiring to create in terms of the experience? What would that be? I would say make it easy for your attendees to experience your event. However, that is in person, virtual, um, whatever you're doing, it is always 
harder for people than you think it will be. Even if you think your directions are clear, if you think your software is intuitive, if you think that your agenda makes sense, it's not, it doesn't, and it isn't. <laughs> um, people need help and it should, the biggest deterrent for people I think is if you try to get into an event and it's like difficult to log in and you can't find the agenda. So if you can just make it an easy and smooth experience, you're going to already be starting off with happier attendees. You've been listening to Real Marketers. If you love what you've heard, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. And don't forget to tell a friend. All of this marketing goodness shouldn't be kept a secret.